Welcome to another episode of Meta Athletes the Playbook, where we bring our coaches' insights direct to our community. Uh, B, awesome episode that we'd had with uh, with Devon. That was a great first uh, first guest interview. And yeah, super fun. We got we got content being you know produced and pushed out there. I've gotten some good feedback on it. I'm sure you have too. But um, it's been a nice kickoff because um, it's really pushed us to go and find some more great guests for us. And uh, today we have another great one. And I'm kind of like laughing a little bit because uh, I don't know, just Ben, just seeing your face makes me laugh a little bit because uh, <laughs> we have we have such like hilarious conversations in group chats. And um, I was just thinking, man, we're talking like every day. So it's it's been it's been incredible to get to know you better. And uh, for me and Coach B, like when we started putting together a, a guest list and, um, you know, it, it, we're trying to find perspectives, we're trying to find insights, we're trying to provide value. And, um, you know, it's, there's a lot that, you know, there's a lot of coaches that we have in our ecosystem and even through Coach B's network. Um, yeah. But something that I've even like found myself is, you know, these conversations that we had with you, I mean, I'm sure Coach B feels the same way too. We learn a lot through you and through your experience. 100% your lens, your perspective, and um, you have a very interesting background. And I think, you know, we talk about all the time how it lends really well to what we're building in this new technology and Web3 and NFTs. But it's also, you know, you take a step back, it's just the the business experience and the stuff that you've created and, and being totally self-made. And um, what's even more impressive is you've done some pretty incredible things with a really small team. And so um, we thought we'd change it up a little bit from, you know, the coaching, the, the directors of performance, the strength and conditioning coaches, the athletes, and um, and have like a little bit of a different lens. And so, um, you know, Ben, I would love for you to, to share a little bit, but, you know, what we're most, I think why we really wanted to bring you on is because one, we get the stuff from you. And so we want to yeah. be able to share you. And we also want to like change it up a little bit because your past probably 10 interviews have been about killer bears and NFTs. <laughs> and so we want to dig a little bit deeper and we want to, uh, I think we just want to share, you know, why you are the way that you are, why, how, how you got to this place of such, um, of such, you know, high performance from a different angle coming from mm. being an operator and being a, a business leader and a thought leader. And so um, that's what we want to dive in today. But, uh, but Ben, how are you? How are things? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, we, we, they are all about the killer bears. It's true. Uh, I'm getting ready for a presentation in London next week. Uh, obviously all killer bears. So it's nice to change the pace here and there. And that's what we'll be doing today. And uh yeah, having fun. I mean, the market, the NFT market is something uh, something really to observe right now. And um, I actually am kind of bullish on it because I think that we need to go through a lot more uh, pain and shaking people out that don't understand why we're here. And I think when if you go on crypto Twitter and you talk to some people around the space, I think everybody forgot actually what we're doing here and why we're excited about Web3. And I think that whenever you have kind of a uh, two steps forward, one step back sort of situation, you are forced to be reminded of why you are doing something. And I feel strongly that that's important. It's needed, and uh, it's a good it's a good exercise for us all. How are you guys? What's going on? I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, you know, you. you know what? I, I think that's why we we respect you so much. I think that's why we we wanted to be able to speak to you and we wanted to be able to get your insights and your perspectives because, you know, we always say it and I've said it to you is you're a high performer. You get it. And high performers understand their, why they understand their mission. They understand their values and their, mor- and their morals. And, and uh, if anybody who's spent any amount of time with you, it could be in the DM, it could be in person. It could be a phone call, a zoom call, even listen to you on podcasts. They can see, that you're no nonsense. They can they can get the the sense that you're all business and that this is this is for real. And that killer bears is something that it's not just a um like a like a once over that you're just kind of thinking about. It's something that's a passion project. It's something that's sustainable. It's something that you have a vision for. And uh, you know, I we're we we're fortunate to be able to call you friends, but I think this is this is for anybody else that listens to the podcast, some insights to understand how the mindset of a, of a high performer and that it's, there's a, there's a story to it. There's a story to you and there's a story behind why you do what you do every single day. And I just, I, I remark at your, your, your drive, regardless of all the noise that's happening around you. Um, so I'm excited to, to, to learn a little bit more about your background and how you got to the point where where you are right now, because it's there's, there's a lot of things that a lot of people can learn from this too, because 
there's there's massive amounts of noise and distraction and you guys are full steam ahead and and you know you understand what you're going to do yeah i think one of the things it's funny ben when you like open it up and you're like there, there needs to be that pain and it's at first you're like man it sounds kind of harsh like maybe pain is the reason why people aren't sticking around because they're, they're having these poor experiences and it might not be worth their time but the way that you know because we know you the way that i interpreted that is it's not just a one and done. It's not just a, a get rich quick and then peace out type of deal that we've seen, you know, in 90% of projects. And um, that's, that's why we want to bring you on it and really talk about it because I think a lot of your trust building, a lot of things that are happening is because you're showing up daily and showing up as a team, building things, but also like you personally, like showing up, which I think is a, a way different experience than most projects where I think when people, when they sell a project or they get to a certain level of, of reputation, they feel like they've made it. And now they're like, I need to go hire 10 people. They'll take care of all my calls. They'll take care of all these messages. They'll, they'll cover the community. And um, you know, I'm not saying this in a bad way, but I don't think I've ever had one experience with your, you know, your like community manager and, and discord or on Twitter. Like it's always been with you or in group chats and, and you're the one showing up in group chats. And I think that that's, it's it's something that me and Coach B talk about all the time in marketing. You know, trying to scale through the unscalable. I think you're you're a great you know uh, example of that. But that's what I kind of envision when you're like, you know, we're kind of getting through some of the growing pains, not just the totally you know the scams, the hacks, all the other things that we hear about. But it's it's um, it's how do we how do we put ourselves in these positions where um, we continue to show up and that six month period that you continue to show up becomes your long term play because of these experiences that people have had with you versus you know, maybe they made a quick buck or maybe, you know, they, they had something that was highly incentivized, but had no real loyalty behind it. And so I think that's, that's what we want to dive in today, but um, maybe let's, uh, let's dive back a little bit into your history and we'll kind of start from, uh, start from the beginning. So where did you grow up? Um, we know that you're an athlete. Were you, were you an athlete from a young age as well? I guess so. Yeah. I mean, uh, I was definitely into sports. I grew up in uh, suburban New York city. Uh, my parents had come uh, like a year before I was born from Israel, where my older brother was born. And uh, I had a really normal childhood by, I think, every measure. We, You know, I don't even know how to what normal is anymore. But, <laughs> you know, everybody lived under one roof and, and uh, you know, went to normal school and, and played all all sports. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, it was it was really just like that. Uh, three boys, you know, so it was a competitive house. Um, it was a little a lot of rough housing, a lot of competing. And um, I definitely, yeah, focused on soccer. My my dad played and, and up until like 52, 53, he, he played with his friends every single Sunday. And I got to see him, even though he had his career, he would never miss a Sunday game. And then um, my older brother, obviously, uh, you know, was coached by him and I kind of grew up seeing that and, and, you know, I definitely caught the bug pretty early on. Uh, I wasn't particularly good until, uh, like seven, eight, but, uh, I was really into it from like three. There's, uh, pictures of me, like on like family vacations or on a beach with a ball at three. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely played for a long while and, and uh, I, I don't play anymore, but um, I'm still into it. You know, it's still what kind of part of the, like when I'm scrolling through TikTok, I'm looking for <laughs> highlights and stuff like that. I was just so about I, to I say, we, we get the occasional, you, you keep me and Coach B up to date and what's going on in international soccer play because you'll send us like an incredible highlight or you'll be like, I don't know what this guy is doing, but he's he's not, he needs to figure it out. But that's pretty much <laughs> the extent to, uh, to, you know, my entertainment of soccer world. Um, so yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, it really yeah, is. Yeah. So that's, you know, like, that's really all I knew about your childhood. So, you know, how do you feel like, you know, was, was sports that important to you? Were there other hobbies that, uh, that you really feel like kind of shaped your, your early childhood? So th this is interesting. And I definitely haven't talked about this at all. Uh, I really struggled with school. Um, I think there was, you know, in those days, they, they weren't testing kids like they are now for learning disabilities, but it was clear that I probably had one. Um, because by the time I was a little bit older, like 10, they started putting me through some tests trying to figure out why I wasn't reading on grade level and things like that. And um, there were really no nothing outside of sports made me happy, I would say. I think I was the kind of kid that would wake up and 
not enjoy going to school because I didn't like how it felt to be reading and doing math and then going to music class and kind of, I felt like it was like a little bit of a jail for me. Uh, and this is, you're talking from like kindergarten. Um, like I, I always kind of felt that way because I struggled wow. so much with it. The reason I think I, I liked sports so much and why I liked soccer so much was because whatever time recess was or lunch was, I could get outside and run around and, and play with my friends. And, and uh, that made me happy. And as I did it more and more and more, I got better and better. And uh, it was something to look forward to, you know, and I think one thing that for sure I see now as a parent, you know, a kid that doesn't like reading, for example, which I, I have one, an eight-year-old coming home saying, you know, I can't read as fast as the other kids and, and, and things like that. And I think as people, and as parents, we need to develop people, not students. And I think it's a huge issue with our system here. But my parents were very quick to, when I had those feelings, to tell me that, okay, maybe you don't read as well, but you'll catch up. And by the way, some of those kids that are really good at reading, they can't even run in a straight line. And you're over here playing sports and doing great things. And not only are you playing soccer, you play baseball, you play hockey, you do all sorts of things. You do basketball too, and, and you're pretty good at all of them. So just remember, like, it's not only about how you are in school as a student, there's like a big picture here and you have a good, nice social life. And that's something I'm trying to instill in my kids as well. And uh, it's important, you know, I think, um, you know, there's one story that always comes to mind that I haven't been able to, I mean, I'll, I don't want to shake the story. It's been a big piece of, of history for me, but um, when I was, it would have been you nine. So I was eight, um, you know, you, everybody plays rec league soccer, right? And then the, I think every team gets an allotment of three that can go to a tryout for a travel team, right? And I remember, and I think this was a, this honestly was foundational to my life. Um, so at this point I was, I was better than average. We'll get to the tryout. I think I played pretty well. I, I didn't, I don't want to sound ridiculous, but I, I probably was in the top five. And I still even remember like some like movements and things that happened at the tryout. And, you know, there's, there's 50 kids. I think there, there was two or three teams were made. Um, and I was cut and I remember this was devastating because you got to remember, like if we back up 90 seconds, the only thing I really liked in my life was sports and soccer. So to not make the travel team at that age, which is like the only thing I really cared about socially, I wanted to go into school Monday saying that I had made it and get the Jersey with my name on the back and pick my number and all of those things that I think that as a kid are, are, are pretty important to you. Um, and I didn't make it, I think, because there was a vendetta between my father and the commissioner of the, of the program, which I had heard about years later when I was when I could understand it. But the lesson I think that sports gave me and that my parents gave me was, OK, it sucks. It's not always fair. We watch the tryout. You definitely were good enough to be on the A team or the B team. There's no real question, but you're going to play rec league next season and we're going to do everything we can for you to develop as a player. and you'll get onto the team, but you have to work for it. I don't think there's many other places where an eight-year-old kid can be taught the lesson of life's not fair. If you want to do something about it, work through it and become undeniable kind of a thing. Obviously, the next year, that that's what happened and, and, and all of that. And I think that sports is the only way you can get that under 10 years old. I think now I get that lesson all the time, but uh, sports is huge for us. That's for sure. Now you said that, that, that experience was a foundational part of your life. When do you think you realized that that was, that that incident or that, uh, experience actually was a positive experience that you've been able to build your, your career and your success on? I think pretty, pretty quickly. I think, you know, I had made it a year later, uh, at that point, um, I think at that point I started to understand like that there's good things and there's bad things that happen and that now there's like ranking systems, like this kid's better than this kid. And, and I don't think I understood that, you know, at, at eight years old. Um, and when I made it, I made it to the A team and there, at this point there was ABC. So, and only like eight kids got in. So I knew 
that I was kind of up there. Um, I think the lesson that I understood was like, if you want something, if you want to be recognized, you need to work for it and you need to work hard for it. And it's not always going to be fair. And I think that by nine, 10, my parents made sure they understood. They're like, by the way, let's zoom out for a second. You know why you made the team? Because you worked every day and came home from school. You ran around dribbling through cones and whatever. And I think I just never, never forgot that you have to work to get stuff. And I think if you even come down, I'm 35 and killer bears in a bear market has been what it's been. We've had to work for everything that we've gotten. We didn't come in with kind of any... Uh, any advantage, um, you know, there was none of that. And I think similarly to when I was eight, like maybe it's a little bit unfair. We haven't been recognized for more, but who cares? We're just gonna work through it and we'll be recognized in time. And, and I think some of that's happened. Some of it is still yet to come. And uh, it's a really good lesson. I think failing and failing early, failing even often. And I even heard about it a little bit in Devon's interview last week. It can be of huge value to anybody. It's important. It can't. It can't be too easy. There's no straight line. Yeah, there's there's like three things that I'm kind of pulling from it. One, B, you talk about this all the time, but it's like that that feeling of ownership, right? And so, Ben, at a young age, you know, you were given or you're put in a situation where you can choose to do something, fail, realize it's not for you, or you can you can take that realization and take ownership to to make a different outcome. So, I think that's something that Coach B talks about all the time. Um, I've never met your dad, but I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. But I think that it's also important, you know, like human relationships, right? Or, you know, I think people kind of like rope it into like politics and sports politics and youth politics. But obviously that relationship, you know, had a detriment or maybe it held you back a little bit. So I think there's a lesson there. And um, yeah, that third one of you just having that choice of like, you know, I think when I remember early in um, early in sports, but also early in my work career, I got thrown into a bunch of different things that I didn't necessarily didn't want to do, or I didn't know if I wanted to do. And through that execution, I figured out, oh, I actually kind of like this, or I think I could, I could see myself doing this more and wanting to get better at this, or that's totally not for me. And so I think a lot of people, whether it's like, they don't know what sport they want to play or what kind of job they want to have after college. I think, you know, it's important to just go out there and experience. And I think that, you know, through that process, you figured out, Hey, you know, soccer is pretty important to me and I want to get better. And this is something that I want to take ownership that, that B talks about all the time. Let's fast forward a little bit. I think it's, it's good context because I didn't realize that you had struggled in school early on and, you know, whether that's, you weren't motivated, you weren't, you know, you weren't in a place where you feel like uh, the learning environment or learning type was good for you. Uh, maybe you had, you were dealing with things that allowed you to, or was forcing you to learn differently, but in a, in a previous interview, I have heard that, you know, you had a pretty short stint, I think it was law school, um, that you were there for like hours or maybe like 12 hours or so. And so I'm kind of curious, you know, do you, do you feel like you were kind of in the same position of just not being inspired, not being motivated, or did you just quickly realize that, um, you know, this, this life choice was not one that you want to go down? It's a really good question. So, I mean, filling the gap a little bit. Over time, like everybody said, I, I caught up and was better at school. You know, sometime in high school, I think I had, uh, you know, that light bulb moment and, and things got a little bit easier. I went to Indiana and, uh, you know, I felt um, that I now was like a lot of freedom around how I could be a student and taking ownership and picking classes and picking a major. It, it got a lot easier. The law school thing, I don't know if it ever made sense. I don't think I actually thought about, like, do I actually want to be a lawyer? I think a bunch of people kind of said, like, yeah, you, you, you can present an argument. You like seem to not mind arguing. Like, you should probably be a lawyer. It makes sense. The shoe fits. And I think I had heard it, like, enough times that I was like, yeah, like, that's a good career path. Like, lawyers, that sounds good. Uh, and, and I just – like. I didn't like, I hadn't had, I was really enjoying college. I hadn't really like thought that much about my career. Um, and I think when you start thinking about it, junior year, beginning of senior year, I was like, yeah, I guess law school sounds cool. You know, why not? Uh, my grades are pretty good and let's take an LSAT class and, and let's give it a shot here. But yeah, I went through the application process, got into a few and I picked one and, uh, yeah, most people that go to law school, and I didn't realize this until I was there, and this was part of, I think, the oh shit moment that happened was most people are not 21, 22, straight out of college. Most people have like 
if they always knew they wanted to be a lawyer, they'll like they'll major in like poli sci, they'll like paralegal for a year or two, and then they'll go to law school. Or they'll work for a couple of years and they'll be like, oh, I kind of like law, and I, you know, and then they're 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 there at 24 or 25 or something like that. I showed up 21 years old. Um, and I looked around and everyone was a lot older. Everyone was like really serious, ready to take notes and listen and orientation. And all I could think about was like not being there. You know, I I, I think I like operate a lot on feel gut feeling. I don't think a lot of people do. I think a lot of people operate on how society would perceive them, how their friends perceive them, what should they be doing. And I, and I guess there's some of that. Like I knew that it would look good to be a lawyer and, and that's like a good normal career path for, for, for some. But I just felt like allergic. I sat down, people start talking about our judicial system and I'm like, oof, like I, I don't care about this at all. Like this is awful. And that was day one of orientation. It wasn't that long. It was a few hours. I went back to the apartment uh, and, uh, and I was like, I, I really didn't like how today went, you know, uh, and I and I kind of thought about it. I went for a jog and I remember thinking, like, let me just kind of clear my mind and maybe it'll get a little bit better. And then the next morning, I same thing. The guy's talking about something. And I'm like, yeah, like this isn't going to work. Um <laughs> You know, and I'm not gonna, and I'm not like I think most people would would be like, you know what? I'm gonna give it a year and 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 see see how it goes. I stood up at like 10, 15 in the morning in the middle of a lecture, straight to the admissions office. Uh, and I was like, hey, I'm dropping out. And the lady was like, You sure? Like you want like you're okay, you want to take the day? And I was like, Don't do that. Like, I, I don't need you to do that to me. Like, I'm fine, I'm calm. I, I, I just I just want to end this, and I need to know what's the easiest way to do it. And they said, if you defer for a year and then in a year tell us you don't want to do it, it's free. If you if you actually drop out now, we're gonna charge you like for the semester. So I said, all right, great. Like, where do I sign? I deferred. I walked out. I got into my car. I drove to my apartment. Uh, on the way home, I called my wife, well, now wife, girlfriend at the time. I called my parents and I just said, hey, I, I'm I'm not doing it. I'll be home in like four hours. <laughs> like, I'm, like I'm getting in the car. I took all of my clothes. I threw them in the trunk of my car. And that was kind of it. On the way home, I called my ex-boss from an internship I had. And I was like, listen, thank you for that recommendation that you wrote for law school. But I'm actually asking for a job now. Um, you know, and I knew like this was 2009, like the market was awful. It was way worse than where we are now economically. But I like I knew like I was on my own. Now that was kind of the Cohen family rule at 21. You're on your own. So um, I could live in the house, but but that was all the support I was going to get. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I landed a job there within like 10 days at that old company and my career started. But yeah, I mean, it was just gut. I just knew it was the wrong place. And, you know, I think if you're like equated to like, if you're 12 years old and you somehow land at like a keg party, you're probably not supposed to be there. And you should probably call your parents to get picked up. Right. It was kind of the same, like, I got to get out of here. Like, this is not going to happen for me. No, that's huge. I think it's, uh, it's so significant that you were able to make that and not waste time. Right not waste resources, time, yeah. money, uh, by doing something that you knew from day one that, you know, you were kind of set against. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting. And I want to dive into that next job, but I kind of have a, a quick question that I forgot to mention earlier. Um, you obviously like you dive into entrepreneurship, you know, I think you've had many successful ventures. Um, you've had, um, opportunities where you either getting acquired or about to get acquired. And, and there's multiple that, that you've run into these situations. Yeah. I'm kind of curious, um, you know, even before college, even just growing up, do you always feel like you were entrepreneurial? Do you, were you doing things as a kid that maybe other kids weren't so focused on? Uh, I know that wasn't in our show notes, but it kind of like popped up. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Ben was entrepreneurial from a young age as well. So the answer is no. Uh, my So my parents have a business. So I saw them go to work in their company for all these years. Uh, so I, I had been around business ownership, you know, forever. Um, they, they never worked for somebody else. But I wasn't the kind of kid that was like coming to school with uh, 
like whatever kids sell. Like some people come in with, with bubble gum and they're, and they're selling. Oh, they you know? buy Drew, a box of candy stuff, right? Drew yeah, I was selling stuff. stuff. Always yeah. was, but yeah, there's those kids that they'll buy a you know a box of chocolates and they'll buy it for five dollars and sell the box <laughs> for ten dollars. And you know, you kind of learn. You kind of learn that supply and demand, especially like in between in between classes. But um, so your parents no, the, were business owners. So I I witnessed that, and then I, I don't remember how old I was. My dad bought. Uh, a piece of real estate and with it came a business that he really liked. Um, the business was closed, so he had to reopen it. Um, I think I was in high school for sure. Um, I was probably like 15. And um, he started to like be more open with me about like how much it costs, how many people he has to hire, how much it costs to have them, the problems that the business is facing. He started to like be transparent with what was happening with that. Uh, and I was interested in it. Now, I didn't work there until the summer before I went away to college. Um, but I had I'd started to hear a lot about business. When I stopped playing soccer um, and I was getting ready to go to school, I, I worked there. And basically, I'd never really had any job before, um, you know, so... They, you know, like the GM of the company was giving me like all sorts of odd jobs to do around, you know, like the warehouse or like whatever, counting inventory, like kind of like the, the bottom of the barrel stuff. And then when I would get home, my dad would say, well, what did you do today? You know, and what did you learn? And I think that, and I was like, listen, like, this is a waste of my time. Like, I don't want to count all this shit. You know, this, this sucks. And he was like, well, like, you know, it's important. We have computer systems that, you know, you need, we need like accurate stuff so we can have purchase orders and they can be accurate and we can low plan. And like, there was all these concepts that were introduced that I started to understand and take more seriously. Fast forward a couple of years later, when I was in school, that business, it never really had a chance. It, 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 it was, it was like a one in a million chance of success when he got it. And the real asset was the building. So the business started to take a little bit of a dive and at one point when I was home, I remember we had just seen a Nick game and we went to eat after. And he had his main business already. So this was really like, a, let's call it like extracurricular. Um, and he was like, what do you think I should do? And I'm 20, wow. you know, and I'm messing around at college, like focused on my social life and, and, and classes and no real work focus. And at that point, I had to be like, all right, well, I've learned some things you know, um, and, and let me see if I can help. So like, you know, I said, like, give me the PL. I'll try to review it. I'll try to get an understanding of like all the different pieces to it. And I was at that point where I started to get the realization, like, mm, like my dad's, he should probably like fire this guy. And I think there's probably some more aggressive decision-making that needs to happen that he's not making because it's not his sole focus. And I started to see like, maybe I have a knack for this, but I basically told him, like, I think you should just close the company and just rent out your real estate. Like, you know, it seems easier. You already have a good thing going. Like, this is all a distraction. But in my mind, I started to, like, feel confidence that I had a point of view that might be helpful. Um, but I kind of buried it and I went back to school and, and you know, went to law school. <laughs> but no, I wasn't that kid. I mean, I wasn't the kid that was enterprising. It's true. Yeah, no, it's just interesting because you've gone through all these different industries and I, I feel like you would have been like, I feel like uh, you're yeah. the way that your lens is and the way that you think about things. Um, but hearing that's interesting. And this next question, it kind of, you know, you kind of alluded a little bit, you know, your parents being business owners probably had a certain level of influence and, and mentorship over, you know, how you operate now. Um, you and I, I think coach B a little bit, but we share a big mentor and, and DJ Khaled, you know, just his, his big number message. One. Yeah. He's, number one, he's the best. And, uh, you know, we're always shooting each other, you know, when we see videos, we, we send it to each other, but, um, you know, is there, is there anybody that comes to mind? Because, you know, me and coach B, when we thought about this podcast and how are we going to be a little bit different, how are we going to, you know, kind of pull some insights out of people that maybe, you know, are not just the, the standard questions that everybody gets on interviews. And, um, you know, when we kind of pull back meta athletes and, and what we're providing, it really is just high level mentorship. Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, where we want to take this discussion is, you know, what does that word really mean to you? Are, are there people that come to mind, um, whether it's like life mentorship, business mentorship that you can kind of like reflect and be like, man, without this person, it would have taken me three, four, five years to figure things out. But, yeah. you know, they took me under the wing and they're able to kind of, you know, show me their experience and, and kind of streamline your ability to to gain that wisdom that, that to help you be successful. So kind of curious what that looks like for you. So 
obviously early on, I think the, the parents uh, are there and it's hard to listen to your parents at a certain age. I think, you know, you think you know better uh, and, and then, you know, and then experience tells you otherwise later on. But the, the first mentor that I think made like a, a, a huge impact was this guy named Will Hogden. Um, what's interesting is if you asked him now, he probably would think that I'm his mentor um, because his he's now focused on business. Um, but basically what happened was after, after the law school thing, after getting fired from a bunch of corporate jobs, he was one of the people that hired me at this small, small mobile app studio. And basically I had a lot of interest in tech. So like one thing I didn't say, although I didn't, I wasn't enterprising as a kid and a teen, uh, I was very gadget forward. So like I probably was the first kid at school to get a Palm Pilot. I was probably the first <laughs> one to get a Blackberry. I got an iPhone. I had like a, a PC uh, in my bedroom earlier than most probably. So I was definitely into, into all of that. I was into social media. Like the moment I could get Facebook, I was on it. And I, I adopted those things early. But I had no experience with engineering whatsoever. And I landed at a company in a in a sales position, a business development position that made apps. So you need to know a lot about software and how you build it and how you deploy it and how you maintain it and how you scale it. You need to know a ton about that. Otherwise, you really can't be a value to clients. You can't really you really it's 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 a total necessity so when i got in there then and i think i was hired because they liked my energy they liked that i uh, i could present myself well but as far as subject matter expertise zero so will gave me all of that um he basically took me under his wing and he explained to me how code happens how interfaces are built, how it all scales, how a mobile app can have, you know, iOS and Android, even Windows, which really doesn't <laughs> exist, but, um, and and how, you know, a web server can support that, you know, and, and there could be a web app too that, that is also front-facing and how these things all can inter you know, interrelate with each other. And eventually I got comfortable enough with the lingo that I could effectively, you know, speak to people out in you know New York uh, and in the movie studios about producing apps for them and and, and all of that, um, and Will really 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 gave me an education that has you know it's still paying off. All of that mobile app stuff was from him, and um, he gave me patience. Um, you know, panicked phone calls when I couldn't understand certain concepts, and he very calmly, no big deal that's what this is. And here's how you would explain it to somebody. And the reason why the load time on this would be this way is because it's hitting the server and it's looking up all kinds of information and has to come back to the phone. And, 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 you know, it was huge. Uh, without that, I never start, you know, my mobile app studio on my own uh, a little while later, I never get it acquired. I never go into this whole you know, this whole career that I feel like was an accident uh, because he gave me patience and understanding. And there's a lot of other ones. He, he's the first one because I think that I don't have a career without him or I don't know what I would have ended up doing. But, um, you know, then there's 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 this guy named Joe who um, he's a he's how old is he? I don't know. He's six or seven years older than me. And he had kids about, you know, that many years ahead of me. He had a lot of success really young and his early twenties, mid twenties. And a lot of the things that I was curious about with how do you balance family life with work and, and starting companies and all the stress that comes with like a, a husband wife relationship and spending time with your kids, you know, I'll call him from time to time and say like, man, I'm working a lot. Like I, I don't even know how to like apologize to like my whole family about this like long day. Uh, and he'll give me, you know, he's been there already. So I'll, I'll have the chance to ask, you know, there's been some strategies that he's had and mentorship is huge. Like, you know, I mentor some people as well. And, and I think it's one of those things that has to happen. If you go through a career without someone that's there for you uh, mm -hmm. in that capacity, and also you need to do it for other people. You need to pay it forward. Um, it's a huge service and it really helps save time. It helps bring perspective. And, um, I mean, there's other ones too that I, that I have, and, uh, I really use 
you know, these, these are, these are people that I think have been hugely helpful, um, and have given me peace of mind and, uh, have, have totally helped with all the success that's happened. You know, what's interesting is, uh, you know, Drew, we always talk about like leadership and, and the qualities of being a really good leader for the, the key takeaway that I got from Ben with that one is, is patience. Now imagine if those mentors didn't have patience with you, like, do you, do you think that you would have been able to figure out that figure out how to get things done on your own? Or do you think like, like the impatience would have driven you away? Right. Cause, cause that's such a, it's something that we talk about as parents. It's something that we talk about as coaches is trying to find peace within ourselves to be able to effectively right. help other people below us or next to us or people that we're trying to guide along this path of life. But, um, you know, how, looking back at it, like, how do you think, like, how much did that patience help you? And it, have you ever looked at it the other way? If, if they didn't give you that time, do you right. think it would have put you in the position that you are in now? I think with, with Will specifically, I really liked the promise of this, of this, like the early mobile app days. I was, I, I was like, this actually makes sense to me. I like, I was a consumer in all of this and I, I really like it. So I had a really big appetite for learning really big. So it's not like I was calling them all day, like needy, like I, I don't understand anything. I was, I was really deep in the weeds trying to learn all of it on my own. And I would really just come to him when I couldn't understand something. So he knew that I was, I was going for it and working hard to learn. But when I needed him, he made sure he was there for me. I feel like if he wasn't there for me, I think we have a different career. I think that I think his support and backbone that he gave me, um, it, it gave me all the confidence I needed to keep charging forward and, and all of that. And, and um, listen, at some point, uh, there was still stuff to learn, but at some point, I don't, I think he probably, he probably backed off and was like, yeah. Ben should just spread his wings now. Uh, Cause I remember there was after a while, he was like, you, you, you don't need my help with like visualizing this. Like you, you already know, just go for it now. And, and, and I think you as a coach, there's probably times where you want to say like, I've given you the tools now use them uh, and, and you'll get better. You'll get better and you'll, you'll, you'll get deeper understanding of your craft and you'll develop it. And I think, um, yeah, I mean, it's a two way street. I don't think that if someone's, it, you can't just be mentored and talked no. to. You need to work against all of that advice and and guidance you're given. Well, I think he felt your passion, right? Because you yeah. just say, you just said like how much, uh, how interested or how vested you were in understanding and learning, and then you put forth that effort. So efforts, efforts half of the equation. You know, showing up is the other part, but also right. being having some passion, some conviction behind the things that you want to learn about. I mean, that's half the battle because otherwise you're just spinning your wheels. So I think totally. it's easier as a coach to coach and mentor other people who show who are willing to show up and who actually want to improve and want to learn and want to get better. So, I mean, totally. It, it's, it's, it, passion is everything. Passion is, you know, being able to display passion on a regular basis, I think helps fuel everything that it is that you're going to accomplish. And that's, you've already, you've shown what you can accomplish. So that's, it's a cool story. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, there's a couple of things. I think the, the first one is it really did like impact your life. Like your, mm. your career choice was literally like driven down this path. And um, it's fascinating to me because I've had people like that in my life. Coach B, we, you know, Coach B was just on Tim Ferriss podcast, not as the actual guest, but he was mentioned. I don't know. You know, Tim Ferriss, right, Ben? Of course. So Tim Ferriss is interviewing is yeah. Eric Cressy, right? That's his name? Yes. Yep. And, you know, last couple of minutes of podcasts, you know, there's like anything else you want to bring up. This guy brings up that there's this guy that that mentored him and, and really kind of pushed him down the field of sports performance and, and training and strength and conditioning. And Eric Cressy's, you know, he's a top mind in, in the sports performance world right now. And um, it's fascinating that, you know, they do this hour long interview or hour and a half long interview. And it comes back down to Coach B might have been the, the main reason this guy actually, you know, chose this this profession. And um, it's, it's fascinating to me, Ben, because, you know, maybe you meet somebody else that was that same level of mentor to you, but in a different industry and you could be in a totally different career path. And this is, right. you know, we say this is our only life, right? Or, you know, so it's, it's fascinating to see that, that impact it had on you. You also said another thing too, that I think is, is crucial. It's, um, 
you know, that, that kind of like passing down the torch, it's like, you know, this happened to you and now you, you want to be that same level of impact for somebody Mm -hmm. else. I think that happens in coaching all the time. Coach B, I think there's probably a handful of people that maybe they didn't know they wanted to be in in sports performance, but because of your level of care mentorship, now they're like, Hey, maybe I want to be the same level for somebody else. But I also think we like, we're able to strengthen ourselves and kind of like sharpen our own sword by continuing to teach. And so like, you know, B, I'm sure like you have this foundation of knowledge, but when you have different experiences, you have a Devon Taves and then you have a Sam and then you have, and you having to try to apply what you want to teach in these different experiences makes you a better mentor, a better coach. And you 100%. continue to, to, to learn and grow and develop through that. So, and plus it just, it makes your level of impact so much bigger, right? Yeah. Because and if you push Eric Cressy to get in that world and now he's on Tim Ferriss podcast, like that level of impact that you had, it's kind of like it scales without you needing to be there, which is kind of a cool feeling for you, I'm sure. It's a, it's a very rewarding feeling. And, uh, it, like I've been able to impact lots of, lots of athletes along the way, but honestly, it's, it's been really rewarding to be able to connect with like people like Ben and, you know, people like Drew Austin and people like, you know, it's just so many different founders within the, within the web three space and try to try to help them become the best versions of themselves too. And try to help impact them, um, is a unique challenge in itself, but it's, uh, it's anytime that you can have an impact or be able to experience a connection with another human being, I think is really rewarding. And we we're all learning from each other. I learn from you every day and, uh, and you're learning from me and everybody around the world. Like we're, these connections that we're able to make it, it, it is, it's they're impactful. And I, you know, we shouldn't take, you know, we shouldn't neglect them at all because we, we can truly learn from each and every single individual and, the, and each and every single experience that we're able to share. Uh, we can learn how to do things. We can learn how not to do things. Right. So right. It, it's, it's, it's all about learning and it's about growth and it's about being able to try to recognize those areas where, and those opportunities instead of obstacles. And that's what, you know, Ben kind of said it from the beginning. It's, you know, you can look at the things that are happening around you right now and you can look at it as an obstacle or you can look at it as an opportunity. You can look at it as an opportunity to try to grow and to, to try to position yourself for the next opportunity, or you can make excuses and you know, it's, that's why I think I, we're, we're so impressed with Ben and what he's doing yeah. is, he, is well, he doesn't make excuses, you know, I, I, I think his. we're, we're all kind of built like this. We're, I think we're all, yeah. all three of us. Maybe that's why we like each other. I think we, <laughs> we see the opportunity in a lot of things and actually it kind of dives into our, our next segment. And, um, you know, with, with seeing the opportunities, you know, Ben, you've been in social media, you've been in SaaS, you've been in web three NFTs, you've been in app development, game development. You've had all these, uh, these touch points. And, you know, when I think about it, it feels like a, it feels like a Silicon Valley kind of experience of like you like diving into emerging tech, building something up, being a value, potentially selling it and, and being acquired. And I'm kind of curious, um, you know, what, what I'm able to extract from our relationship so far is you're very good at like being, um, I think analytical about culture shifts, mm. things that are happening, you know, people's attention going from, from one industry to another, or, what is attracting people's attention? And yeah. I think you did, you know, like your background in social media, like spoke to that, you know, at a very high level. So I'm kind of curious, you know, what is it that you look for and and how do you study these trends to be able to find opportunity in the business world for yourself out of these kind of shifts of culture? I think I, I, I'm good at listening. I think I, over the years I've gotten, I think I'm, I think I'm not that smart. I think I just let like the signals that exist around us tell me what, what's going on. Uh, and if somebody says to me like, Hey, this is the thing you should look at it. I'll look at it and I'll with a fresh, you know, pair of eyes and an open mind. But the bottom line is if you're, if you've worked in emerging tech, it's, it's pretty fast and it's all kind of fleeting. So you need to be focused on how people are using it. What are the applications of the, of the tech and how might they expand? And the thing, the thing is, is like I started in mobile apps and then pretty quickly thereafter, I was focusing on social media publishing. What I think happened, and this may, made my career easier, is I think the two completely converged where, where software and social literally just like got mashed up together. Um, and that's social is part of what made a lot of these softwares grow and, and vice versa. Uh, they had a real like symbiotic relationship. And I think, I think there's 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 like these platforms and there's these, these like very large cultural shifts around like iPhone, 
VR, AR, um, you know, like, you know, like Instagram, TikTok, like the formats that they're using, you know, like when you, when you want from static image to video to, to longer form, um, you need to just kind of be aware of all of them. And, and, and the thing is, is like from marketing standpoint, there's always arbitrages everywhere, 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 everywhere. I don't care what anybody says. And that will always be the case because there's certain people that will look from white space and they'll, they'll push at it. Uh, and I've just taken that approach where, you know, what's the easiest way and the straightest line to making some kind of an impact and these technologies. And then if you like add the web three layer to it, it's even more interesting, but they made finding that straight line easier. Um, now there's cultural metas and there's cultural shifts. Those are, those are more tricky because sometimes you have a fad, you have something like the flavor of the week. Uh, mm -hmm. And this was big in video games because there were people that were, that were using kind of like, you remember like Flores Lava and Damn Daniel, yes. those kind of things. <laughs> yeah. So there were developers that were basically buying like game, game templates. And then like all of a sudden Flores Lava would be a thing. And they would literally just brand the game and like change its colors to red, like Flores Lava. And it would be this awful game. Um, but for two weeks, they made a killing. They got millions of downloads. They made a ton of money and they leveraged, you know, the social meta. And I saw that obviously in 16, 17, 18 with, with a deep focus in mobile video games. Um, but Web3 is kind of the same where there's cultural things going on. Some of them are coins. Some of them are, are NFTs. Some of them are just things people are saying in memes. Um, but you can use these things. Um, to gain attention. It, mm. Now you can't just like have no strategy about it, but like Pepe, for example, um, that's a, a big connective tissue within this group here that we're, you know, that, that we're, you know, us three. Um, when Killer Bears saw it, we said, all right, this is very interesting. I don't know that we're gonna be able to get any attention as Killer Bears right now. We just had the Cubs mint uh, and all of a sudden everybody was talking about Pepe. We said, all right, what if we find a way to just interweave our story with theirs for the next couple of weeks while people mm. are focused on Pepe? And um, we thought about it and, you know, we, we wrote, a, you know, we, we kind of wrote some ideas down and we found ways to incorporate the frog into our lore and, 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 and burn market. And we did some things and ultimately it was just a fun way to gain some attention. I think, uh, you know, build some new fans, by just being aware of what's going on. I think the open edition also is a good example of just kind of like keeping our eyes open and the what's socks going on out there. <laughs> <laughs> that one we were trolling a little bit, but yeah, I mean, it's a thing in NFT. If, if you have socks, physical or digital, you, you, you are someone. <laughs> and we said, all right, let's, 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 you know, let's do it. Why not? Uh, and we don't take ourselves that seriously. Like we just, we're like we're we're just trying to have some fun here with our community and but uh i think my like my big thing is is there's signals all around us mm. you can read them you can listen to them you can look for them in all kinds of ways i just think that people do so much talking so much talking so much tweeting mm -hmm. so much opinion and like no one's listening and mm. one thing one of the mentors has told me is because early on, I didn't listen a lot. I think I was like a little hard headed and people were just like, you just got, you have a lot of energy, but like, you just don't listen enough. Um, and he always would say, you have two ears, two yeah. eyes, yeah. one mouth, just shut up. Mm -hmm. And I, I said, I get it. I get it. I get it. I'm listening. And he would start talking and I would interrupt him. He was like, you're not listening. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> but, uh, and I think that that's really true on the internet and, and with emerging tech and, and social media and, and all of that. It makes a ton of but, sense. I mean, we, go ahead, Coach B. I'll, I'll kind of chime in after you. Yeah, I, we, I don't know if we're going to go on the same one here, but one of Drew and I's favorite books is uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Have you ever heard of Dale Carnegie, Ben? I've heard of it. The, the book was given to me as a gift, and it's still in my center console in my car, unread. <laughs> well, short short version of this of the of the book is uh, is essentially listening, right? It's it's a book about communication, and it's a book about um, how to develop effectively develop relationships. And one of the biggest take-home messages from the book is the ability to listen, 
right? People want to be heard. And one of the big things, you know, dealing with coaches and dealing with athletes and in, in just my life in general is, is being able to understand how to listen so I can effectively help them a little bit more effectively guide them, provide uh, advice, whatever it is I need to provide. Listening is massive. And uh, for your ability to recognize that, that you are a good listener and I think you should give yourself some credit. You know, I, I think you are pretty intelligent. You're pretty smart. You're pretty smart enough to be aware of the things that are happening around you and the things that, that, that demand your attention. Uh, communication and listening. Listening is a huge, massive in, skill that everybody listening to po- this podcast should be able to, to try to understand. It doesn't, re- doesn't matter if you're an athlete, you're a business professional, you're an entrepreneur. Like Your ability to listen can help you gain a level of understanding where uh, it, it can kind of direct and navigate you along the path of in your journey of success. Yeah. Well, first of all, Ben, that's a book that you have to like, there, there's probably a, a bunch of books that in our group chat, you kind of hear and like, maybe it flies over you, but uh, what's fascinating is dude, you live, you live the principles of that book uh, to a T hundred percent. I don't think you'll be able to put it down once you start because you'll realize, you know, like, I mean, this was, book was written like, probably like 50, 60 years ago, right? Like it was, it was in the 40s, 30s or 40s. Though. Yeah, went, yeah, so even longer. It's, old. And it's one of those ones where, I mean, that's where I learned sales. That's where I learned how to, how to you know, really converse with people to get the most out of them or, you know, help them understand you better, to like you better. And um, it taught me so much that I, I probably read the book once or twice a year just to remind myself that I don't have to get into you know, to these trends so much, you know, like we're talking about how you have to, to listen, you have to understand. I think you do that at a high level and there's so many, like in your community, you know, something will happen. And then two days later, I, I always see the message. Yeah. See the team heard us and now they're, they're making action. They're, they're executing and, and they're, they're it just, the community feels heard. And, you know, to say like, Hey guys, I hear you is one thing, but to like make an execution and an action based off of what you're seeing in group chats or what you're seeing in a DM or what people are tweeting. I think that that's a high level of of being able to cater to to what it is people are looking for. One of those those principles, Coach B, is talk about what they want to talk about, right? Like how do you, how do you make yourself interesting? You talk about what they want to talk about, and I think that you guys do that really well. But um, yeah, Ben, we, we won't tell you to to read all the other books that me, Devon, and Coach B kind of throw around. But if there's <laughs> I'm a one, notes guy. we're just getting yeah. the cliff notes. Well, dude, the book yeah. is so small; it pretty much is spark notes. Like it, it's like uh, here's a principle, here's here's a quick story. That's like the whole book. But um, <laughs> one of yeah, these days, you, you must. Um, last question, Ben, that we have for you, and you know, we kind of jumped all around your career. Um, you've had major successes. You've been cut from soccer teams. You've you dropped out of school. So there's kind of been these ups and downs. But you know when we do think about you and we do like introduce you to people, there's a lot of success from the, from like the public view or what, what society might consider to be a success. Um, obviously, you know, you you have a family now, you have businesses. Um, I'm kind of curious how it is that you personally define success in your life. Um, do you feel like you have it? Is it something that's always, always being sought after? Um, yeah. So success in your opinion. It's a, that's a, Tough question because I think um, most people would look at me and say yes, uh, and I think that they would say that based on like financial milestones achieved, which is great, I guess. Um, I, I don't really see it that way. I think that like, yeah, I think if you if you like just if you just freeze and I step away from my body and I look at everything, um, I think my my life is in order. You know, I think you know I've got a wife, I've got kids, everyone's happy, everyone's healthy. Um, we live a nice life work-wise. I feel really fulfilled. I like what I do. I think it's fun. I still, you know, do more of it than I need to. I, I probably don't need to be on Twitter and, and in group chats and things like that until one in the morning, but I choose to do it because I like it. I think that's, I think that to me is, is probably the thing I'm most proud of is that I'm living the life that I want to live. So how does Ben define success today? It's it's like, are you doing what you want to do? And, and if you could, like, is there a more optimal way to be doing it? Uh, and I think given where I am, age and all that experience, I think I'm right where I want to be. And, and um, but I think that the answer varies. I think a lot of people want, you know, financial success and they want to show that in some way. A lot of people want recognition that they are, um, at a certain level in their career, 
um, you know, thought leadership kind of a thing. They want to manage a certain amount of people. They want to be able to say, you know, I, I've done, I've achieved all of this. Um, and there's certain people that are just hoping that they can find some balance and be proud of the balance that they've found in their life. And that's what success looks like. And I think for me, I've got like that career piece under control and I have a, you know, a track record of it over, you know, now into the teens of years. Uh, I've got a family life that I'm proud of. I'm obviously trying uh, to, to like have a, a more healthy balance between like playing with kids and, 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 uh, and work stuff. I think that the third thing, if this was a triangle would be like, how, how has Ben like health, fitness, uh, happiness, like is Ben giving himself what he needs. And I think probably of those three things, the thing that's most out of balance and most sacrificed is myself. That's obviously something that I need to improve and I'm aware of it, but, uh, kind of is what it is. So it's, I think having the, having all three of those in a perfect balance is going to be very challenging. And I, I don't know. And I've talked to some of the mentors about this. I don't know that you ever are as an entrepreneur, like a hundred percent perfectly balanced and in equilibrium. But like, there's definitely times where I'm like, I gotta, I gotta treat myself better. You know, like I don't feel as good as I should feel. And if I felt better, I might perform better. And, and, you know, coach B knows about a lot of this stuff. You know, there's times where I'm focused on fitness and diet and uh, doing things for myself. And then there's times where I just say, all right, well, those two hours that I was kind of giving myself, uh, I don't have time for it. And, and I go on a crazy work bender and, and I pay for it. You know, I think, you know, you know, you wake up one day, your back might hurt or, or, you know, your, your hip is stuck or you get sick and you say like, shit, like I need to have some better balance. Like this is probably not the way, but I think overall, Everyone's got to find their passion. Everyone has to find their North Star and their why. Why are you doing this? Why, Killer Bears? What do we want to be? What's our vision, our dream? How am I going to help us get there? And uh, as long as you feel like you're on the road and, and making the progress that you want to make, I think, you know, you, you're, you've kind of achieved it. Um, I think people are maybe a little bit too focused on um, finance. I think I think it's just... Society has groomed us to think that that's what success is, you know, that the house, the car, all the things, uh, especially in Web3, I think there's a lot of flexing going on and how happy are you actually? How much of right. an impact have you actually made? Have you helped people? Have you changed anybody's life? I think that those are things like at the end of the day that are more important. I think like no one, who, who says it? Uh, Kevin O'Leary, you know, Mr. Wonderful on Shark yeah, Tank. Of course. Yeah. He's a polarizing figure, but he said something on one of the shows that I always remembered. And he said, like, no, when you're like on your deathbed, no one would ever say, I wish I spent more time in the office. No. Right. And yep. right now I'm spending a ton of time in the office. Um, and I think that that's like a constant, like, reminder that balance and success are are something to strive for. It's uh, it's awesome because you essentially just answered two questions with one yeah. because uh, we we like to end or I say we like to because B we've only done this one time before <laughs> with another interview and we're really getting into it but you know the the last thing that we have for everybody is to to share like a memorable quote or something that recently that they've heard or something that sticks with them through life and yeah I think that's a great one that's a great one Ben and obviously Mr Wonderful I mean he's literally telling us you know like he's gone through it and he's had the highest of highs and he's telling us that you know. There are, there are bigger priorities in life for us to, to focus on versus, you know, what we feel like in the moment is most priority. So it's, it's that awareness and reflection. B talks about us all the time, wow. but um, this has been, it's honestly like, I'm not just saying this, but Ben, like getting to know you more has been awesome to know, you know, why you are the way that you are. Uh, we didn't dive into some of the other stuff, but um, I think for, for us to understand, you know, like even the mentorship, like, uh, you know, for you to get into app games and then for that to ultimately be, you know, umbrella studios, umbrella and transitions to web three wasn't for that mentor. We probably don't even know you. Right. Or if yeah, we yeah. do, it's through a, a way different industry that, that we would come yeah. in contact with you. So uh, I just find it fascinating how, how that pans out, but um, man, great to have you on B. Was there anything else, you know, before we close up today? No, I think there's um, I think, getting to know Ben and getting to know his why and, and how he became who he is, right. I think lends a little bit more backstory to what he's building. 
you know what I mean? What he and the team of the Kill Bears is building and that it's not a flash in the pan and, and it should give utmost confidence to everybody that's in the ecosystem or that what desires to be in the ecosystem that, that these guys know what the hell they're doing, you know, and, and they're willing to figure out the path because they have a high, it's the things we talk about all the time, but there's a high level of awareness. He has a high level of conviction. He has a passion and a strong work ethic. And when you match those things together, doesn't matter in what arena of life that you operate in, you're going to be successful and you're going to find it. And so, um, you know, I'm excited. I, I'm fortunate to be able to call Ben a friend and somebody that we can laugh with and chat with and, and talk about like lots of different topics. But thank you for taking the time today. Thank you for having me, guys. It was great. It was great. Absolutely. Thank you. Chat with everybody next week.